Earlier this year, the Institute of Public Affairs wrote a paper titled The Humanities Dehumanised, How the Humanities Are Taught in Australian Universities. The paper showed that in 2020, Australia's top 10 ranked universities offered a total of 1,181 humanities subjects. And the three most common themes in those subjects were identity politics, critical race theory, and gender. Here to talk to me about this is the author of that paper and the director of the Foundations of Western Civilization program at the Institute of Public Affairs, Bella Debrera. Bella, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me this morning. So how did we get here? So what's been going on is that um, you know, various people can trace this sort of postmodernist ideas back to um, Hegel, Nietzsche, um, and, and you know, way way back, sort of nineteenth century thinking. This group of um, philosophers and, and and historians who who took um, uh, reality and truth and decided that they no longer existed. And and this is why we're we're in the state that we are at the moment because we've lost the essential agreement on what truth is. Um, which means that anything goes. So uh, we've now got a uh, a world in which gender is a social construct. It is completely unmoored from reality now. So people are creating their own realities. Thanks very much to the the French postmodernists. So this is you know since the nineteen sixties really is this this is this is where we can trace back what's going on. Identity politics, critical race theory. You know all this this madness comes straight out of that 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 school of thought. It has to do as well with power, right? I mean. These are, these are simply ideas. It requires individuals with power to embed these ideas. It's interesting that you use the word power because obviously that's the whole basis. That's the fundamental basis of the of the thinking that if everything in world, everything in life is a is a power is a power play between forces. Which you know, there's always an element of truth, isn't there? There's always power in relationships. But we got here because academics took on this theory with immense enthusiasm. It has become the the orthodoxy of of academia. Um, which would be all be very well if if it stayed within academia, but unfortunately, you know, the way the system is now is that the arts, the humanities, these are all um, training grounds for people who end up in politics, people who end up in in organisations writing HR policies, people who end up in the, in the civil service, people who end up in mm. local councils, um, people who are working towards a similar goal, a similar activist goal, a similar goal, a goal of a worldview, and they're trained in the universities. They leave after three or four years just full of vigor and, and a desire to create the world that they, they believe that they can create through, through this social justice and everything else. What is going on in academia is that they're actually working against um, Western civilization. They're working against Australia. They, they don't like Australia. They don't like Western civilization. Um, and we saw this when Ramsey uh, tried to, to teach a great course on, on, on books, just a, a course on books, for heaven's sake. And, and they launched a petition against it saying it was white supremacy. This is academics. It's, it's very obviously seeping out of the universities now, and we're seeing it very, very much on a, on a daily basis in our institutions. In a way, it's good that it's happening because at least we're talking about it now. It's been, it's been this sleeping giant for such a long time. And most mainstream Australians and everyone else in the Anglosphere have been getting on with their lives, most conservatives, um, and not being involved in, in this kind of thing. And now it's hitting us in the face. We're going, goodness me, this is what's been happening for the last 20 or 30 years. We actually need to do something about this now. I guess if you're a professor that's studying a niche uh, area of 
statistics in mathematics, you're probably going to have less time on your hands to go and pursue some of these administrator roles where you want to create diversity groups. But if you're an academic who's getting paid to write papers about racism in the Merchant of Venice, you've got a lot more time on your hands. You've got a lot more time and you've got more, you've got much more motivation to to keep up the um, this fiction, and it is a fiction, that, that we have a diversity problem, that we have a racism problem, that we have this, um, you know, apparently at the moment it's a, Australia is a terrible country for women to live in. It's all complete lies. It is clearly not a racist country. It is clearly an, a, a country that gives everyone equal opportunity. Um, it does not discriminate against you depending on your race and your gender. And they have to keep this going because it justifies their livelihoods. If they suddenly admit that it's actually not a problem, what, what are they going to talk about? And if you've devoted your whole academic career to one of these crazy theories, you don't know anything else. You only have a knowledge of this very narrow um, a theory that your whole life is based on it. You have to, you have to stick with it. Um, and I think it's intellectually lazy as well. You don't need to learn another language. You don't need to get buried in the archives. I mean, you can pretend that you understand Derrida and Foucault, but nobody really does. You can use their language and sort of talk about power structures and things like that. But, but they made it deliberately impossible to understand anyway. So how do these academics then suddenly go, abandon this and suddenly take up something that, that is difficult, <laughs> translating Dante and actually sort of getting in, into, the, into the core of what Dante means? You have to know the history. You have to know the, you have to know the philosophy. You have to know everything else. None of this exists anymore. It's... it's it's, it's, a, it's terrible. These academics are not really interested in the subject. They don't have a love for the subject. They're sort of unelected politicians, really, in a way. They did group together to stop the Ramsey um, Centre to, to, to launch its Western Civ course. They were, the, they were that powerful. They were that successful. Same with ANU. There's a quote, actually, from... Uh, so this is the National Union of Students yes. ethno-cultural officer. That title in itself really tells you everything you need to know about this. Hersha Kadkol said in a statement that this is a propaganda machine that seeks to promote racism and erase the horrors inflicted by Western civilization on the country and around the world. Now, I think the problem is that people like Miss Kadkol are actually being taken seriously. They have a lot of power and they have a lot of influence. But despite that, we organised a poll last week to ask about what people thought about critical race theory and identity politics. Overwhelmingly, people don't want it in the classroom. They don't want it in the world. They don't want it in life. On the one hand, they're powerful because it's getting into the institutions. But on the other hand, nobody wants it. They're not convinced. People know it's bad. And even the people that want it don't even understand what it is that they want. Uh, I spoke to Warren Mundine about this last week, who has Mm. come out publicly, of course, against critical race theory. Warren said that it's the most racist thing he's seen in 30 years. So when you find things like critical race theory entering uh, Australian schools now, it really does go to show that the ideas that have been embedded in the universities from the 1960s onwards, they're hitting our children. They they are hitting our children. And even if it's one class is bad enough, even if the one example is bad enough, you know, Parkdale, um, it's so... It's so damaging um, to the psyche and and everything else of a of of anyone a teenager mm. told told that they they have to stand up in front of their colleagues their colleagues sorry their classmates 
and apologize for something that they have absolutely no power over. What did the youth counselor expect them to do about it? So she comes in, she gives them a talk about, presumably about white male privilege. She picks out the, the, the white males from the, from the classroom. She tells them to stand up and they have to apologize to everyone. But what does she expect then? This is the question. What do they, this goes back to what you were saying. What do they want? Once all white males have apologized to everyone else for being white males, what, what do they want you to do? Well, I suspect that they have no idea. No. Because similarly with things like third wave feminism, right, I think with, we could all agree that with, um, with, with some, uh, some of the earlier um, movements that, you know, things like the women getting the vote, uh, important steps, things that allowed women to flourish intellectually and professionally, done, right? So what do they want now? They actually want to do what Simone de Beauvoir warned about, which is that it's not about taking power away from men. It's about that very notion of power. I think with any of these radical people that seem to have a very intense dislike for uh, white male conservative people, they don't have any plan apart from attacking that person. You know, it's like being angry at your father and anger never really results in, in anything positive, right, or anything constructive. Mm. And all I see mm. is anger. Well, this is, uh, I, I, I think about this a lot. All I see similarly is, especially from women, um, I see anger and I see bitterness. Um, and, but I don't see a goal other than destruction for the sake of destruction, ruining someone's career, complaining bitterly about sexism where there is none, um, and, and not calmly talking about what it is that they actually want because they actually have everything. This is why, yeah. this is why it worries me. The relationship between men and women is, um, is a very special one and a very precious one. We are different, but we're complementary. We're not the same, um, but we're all here living this world and we're faced with the same challenges and the same struggles and we need to help each other through it. And this third wave feminism is not uh, benefiting either men or women. Women are unhappy and, and, and men are unhappy. And you wonder where it's going and you can only sit back and watch and, and hope that it, it doesn't derail so much that that we ruin the relationship between the, between the sexes forever. I, I just, I hope that doesn't happen. Um, but it's all, it's all, it's a, it's a very difficult to, thing to watch and be part of. I think you, you might agree that, that, that nothing good comes from this movement. Nothing good comes from third wave feminism. Nothing good comes from critical race theory. Nothing good comes from identity politics, but they're determined to, to impose this on us. Um, with the view, I think they have, many of them have the view that this is how we achieve utopia, whereas you and I know that this is not the way to do it at all. Um, and this is another, you know, another broader philosophical question about this the zero-sum fallacy and, 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 and this Crutonian idea of utopia and things like that, which is, which is a very interesting discussion. And I, I like to get into that. But really, I think, that's, that I think that's their aim. They're trying to achieve this world. They're trying to achieve perfection in this world. Um, there is inequality. There is suffering. There, there are difficulties. There are some people who have more power than others. But this is not the way to do it. Um, 
And personally, you know, you can never get it. You can never achieve utopia in this on, in this world because it's 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 a physical impossibility. Where, um, so I think this is what we're up against. We're up against people who who know that there's something wrong, but they're going around the the wrong way of trying to fix it. I agree, um, and it's something that I've spoken about on the program before. Is this notion of utopia? As as you know, this is not a new uh, idea. This stems back to mm. some of the founders of of the worst ideas of utopian socialism. Mm. Socialism people like Charles Fourier, mm. and I think that when you eliminate um, Christianity from the West, or at least when you purge God from the West, the idea that then the the prominent idea then becomes how do we create mm. how do like you said how yeah. do we create this utopia? And of course, mm. that's not the point. We're not here to create a utopia because you can never create a utopia. It's their idea of what a utopia is. Well, it's a it's an assault on on reality, isn't it? It's an assault on what we know, what you and I know to be objectively true and good, um, they will spend their lives trying to tear down. Uh, and this is why the, these, the cultural wars, and I don't think it's a strong enough term for it because it's not really a cultural war. It is a, it is a, it's a battle for the soul, the soul of civilization at the moment, I think. Every time we, we, um, we can commission one of these polls to ask people what they think about something like critical race theory. People mostly aren't thinking about it, but if it's put to them in terms of, do you, you know, do you think your, your, your son should be judged on the color of his skin or something like that, they're, they're going to say, no, there's still a, um, a, a, a sense amongst normal, ordinary, mainstream Australians that, that they, they that they know what is true. They know what is true. Truth isn't completely obscured. Truth is going to exist whether whether these people say it does does or it doesn't. I'm always heartened by the results of these these polls that we commission because it shows people still understand what truth is. They haven't been completely swayed into believing that something like identity politics is a good thing. The point you made there is a good one. The Australian public. I don't think they're falling for this. No, they're not. And they know it's rubbish. People, the point is people are still trying to go somewhere for the truth. So no matter how, how much mm. the, the postmodernists and the, the elite will tell you that truth doesn't exist, there's something in us that is always trying to strive for the truth. We recognise it exists. And, and I am heartened by the fact that most people recognise lies when they, when they see them. Um, what worries me, though, is that they're getting to the people, they're getting to children so young now that I worry that, um, you know, from prep to, to year 12, they're not going to hear anything else. They will not hear anything else if, if they're in the wrong place, if they've, got, if they've got parents who are too busy or parents who believe this stuff. And then they go to school every day and they're, they're, they, they believe the teacher because that teacher is a, a figure of authority. So they're going to believe everything they say. So it worries me. That, that the younger ones coming up now will not hear an alternative um, and, and somehow will be blinded to the truth, just as many of the, the people who propagate this stuff do seem to be blinded to the truth. They generally don't, don't see, see, seem to understand facts as facts anymore. And that's one of the things that comes through in this curriculum, which is that left-wing ideas are being taught as facts. So climate change is incontestable. Global warming, incontestable. Anzac Day, Australia Day, contestable. We have to talk about those because they're a bit, you know, they're a bit suspect. 
So I, 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 I'm, I'm heartened by the, the, the polls that we do now because it shows that the majority of people are still on the ball. But I worry about 20 years' time. I worry about what the next generations coming up are going to be like. Is anyone going to be having these conversations in 30 years? I hope so. Will, will you be able to have your podcast in five years' time because, you've got, because you're white and male and conservative? Uh, it sounds outrageous, but it's not really given how, how quickly things are deteriorating now. It doesn't um, sound outrageous to me. I mean, I've already, mm-hmm. had, I've already been suspended once from YouTube. I had a 30-minute conversation with a uh, philosophy professor from an Ivy League school about mm-hmm. the full 30-minute body cam video of the George Floyd Mm-hmm. incident and we simply just went through that and pointed out factually what happened in that and we were suspended over a violation of inciting harassment and violence and hate speech people talk about marxism and communism but i actually think that what we have is a far more sophisticated version of communism and marxism and it's happened on a global scale and you can you can potentially trace its roots back to post World War II. These organisations like the UN perhaps maybe um, began out of out of goodwill. These things have now become the ministries of truth. So you know the UN's responsible for International Women's Day. Um, mm. All this race theory and gender theory and gender equality. So you have this overarching kind of sophisticated communist network that's dictating down policy oh, yes. all the way yeah. down into yeah. schools. Yes. And then you get you get the it it yes yeah, it's, it's it's levels and you get the people who 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 are designing it at the top and 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 it filtering down. It's a very brilliant very brilliantly done through the UN as you say these Genius. global organizations. And then you get the, the 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 sort of the people at the the level of um you know a youth worker who, who's sort of the, the very bottom level of this stuff that's filtered down, who believes it. I'm sure she believes it. I'm sure yeah. she believes that, there, that the world is, um, that there is systematic and institutional racism. And I'm sure she believes that you are an oppressor. But I know that the people at the, 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 the UN and the people designing this thing, they know that it's not true. They know. They're not fooled. But it's, no. you know, it's the, it's the sort of the, the people that the... the, the the, the the workers the at the bottom that that sort of go out and, and propagate this stuff, which sounds like a conspiracy theory, but but it's, it's in plain sight now. So so we know very well that it's not a conspiracy theory. We know it's it's a it's a global move. Um, one thing that actually comes through interestingly in the national curriculum, which I haven't talked about much, is this idea that it's much more important for you to be a global citizen than it is an Australian citizen. And that really is something that I haven't seen so much in other iterations of the curriculum. It's, it's uh, peppered throughout the civics and citizenship um, along with many sort of ill written sentences about identity. And, you know, the, it, on the one hand, they're saying you've got to be a good citizen, but then it's all about how you see yourself and your, your personal identity. But then as well, you've got to be a global citizen. So what kind of, what kind of an education, how, how are they going to emerge from school with any clear idea about who they are or the, the world they're living in? One of their, their, their heroes is Greta Thunberg. This is, this is they're meant to model themselves on Greta Thunberg, who, who's um, an interesting character, and I That's one don't want to be unchristian about her, but um, but she's she's not a role model. Um, she but so this so this this idea this globalism idea. So it's like it's as if there's a conservative effort to 
to disassociate, to separate um, children from from the idea of nation and patriotism and an allegiance to a set of values in Australia. It's saying to them, it's more important that you're a global citizen, which means nothing. How do you live as a global citizen? Encouraging them to enter the global conversation. Yeah, the global conversation, global. And if you don't have, uh, if if you have parents that uh, have also fallen for the top of the pyramid in terms Mm. of um, the the propaganda before, yeah, yeah. if the parents Mm. believe it too, then it's just being reinforced. But you know, I have yes, I have friends who actually have to sit down with their children at night and 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 debunk deprogram deprogram oh, right i but get I, this so this so often there's so many this is a, such a common thing i think that it's uh if we focus our attention on the teachers and the curriculum i think it's maybe not um where it should be focused because the very notion that you had to um clarify that it wasn't a conspiracy theory that's the problem right because if you look at what they do they come up with broad undeniable slogans like mm. who's gonna who's gonna say i've never you know black lives matter yeah if you're we, not gonna say you're not gonna say black lives don't matter are you save <laughs> the planet yeah Love is no, no, love. you can't say they're so clever. Love is love. They're so clever with the slogans. I'm someone that actually came to religion later in my life. I was an atheist for well, irreligious for for a long period of time. I'm more looking at the benefit benefits that Christendom has had for mm. Western society, right? And that's undeniable. Even when I was not a religious person, I couldn't deny that. Mm. So as that increasingly disappears, people are looking for things like save the planet, love is love, black lives matter. Yes, yeah. It's so simple, it's so effective, but it's so dangerous. Mm. The simplicity of that uh, has filtered its way into, uh, you know, curriculums where the mm. people that are dictating the curriculums are not Machiavellian people sitting there saying we must destroy the West. People have just been fooled. Mm. No, I, I I agree. I think it's obviously it, when I say a conspiracy, it's not a conspiracy. But there's there is a there are certain people at a certain level who who know what they're doing, and I would say are Machiavellian and yeah. are trying to destroy rest, Western civilization. But that's only a very few. Um, the rest of them, as you say, the people who are actually writing the curriculum, but they they still have an agenda though. Um, it's not Machiavellian, but their agenda, and it goes back to what we were saying before. Their agenda is the kind of world that they want to create mm-hmm. um, and the kind of people that they want to live in that world. And they, they, and those people are the people that we saw this, the children that we saw on the streets on Friday who are genuinely terrified that the world is going to end in, in, in five years time because of, um, I don't know what they, I don't know if they're saying the world's hotting up or cooling down at the moment, whatever it is, something, so there's going to be some dreadful climate Armageddon. I think that the people writing the curriculum are doing so, putting this stuff in knowingly. They know they're deliberately putting in identity politics and critical race theory and the idea of the globalism. They're downplaying Christianity and taking it out altogether. It's like a green left manifesto. They're teaching they're teaching um, 
a, a very skewed version of Australian history. It's all about colonization, slavery. I can't believe that they're still promoting this dark emu version of Australian history in the curriculum, which is now completely discredited. But I don't think they're deliberately doing it because, they're, because it's being done maliciously. I think they're deliberately doing it because they genuinely believe that these are the things that are going to make the world a better place. And these children yes. need this worldview in order for future society to be aligned about, about climate change, about, about um, critical race, about race. But, but it's so short-sighted because everything that they're getting them to do is, it's so terribly pessimistic. It's so nihilistic. It's so depressing. They're creating generations of students who think that they have no individual agency. They have no control over how their lives go because of, depending on the color of their skin, which is a crazy idea. You mm -hmm. just need to look at the hundred years of history to see that that's not true. You need to look out the window and see white homeless men on the street. And that completely just debunks the theory in two seconds. That this curriculum is deeply problematic in a metaphysical way that is very difficult to, to get across on three minutes of sky or, you know, in an op-ed because, because it's, it's the, it's the, it's the, how do you see yourself and how do you see your world? How, what is the meaning of life? Mm. It really is that it is that profound and it is telling them they have no meaning because they have no future because of climate change. They, their past was terrible. So you've got to feel constantly ashamed about that and you can't even fix it. And you have no individual agency. There's no, there's no point in even trying to make your life or create the life that you want. So what is your meaning then mm. according to this curriculum? And this is the this is the the thing that's problematic for me is the is the metaphysical and the moral aspect of it, and it it might might sound like hyperbole, but when you really strip it back and you look at it and you think, well, this is this is the worldview that they're 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 actually imposing on the next generations of children coming up. It is disastrous. I know you say that we should be looking at the the UN, but what can what can really what can I little Bella de Brera sitting in an office in Victoria, Australia, in far flung? I can't even leave the country, let alone do anything about <laughs> fixing the UN. But I can fight against something like this, which is profoundly pessimistic and damaging to to future generations of Australians. Um, and it's hidden in all this language on on the website, and um, and they will make out that I'm insane by talking about these things. But I but I've it's, it's the only conclusion that you can come from from looking at this document. And I think parents really need to even just look at civics and citizenship for years seven to 10. Look at history, look at the way they're teaching histories from seven to 10. The idea that Australia really shouldn't exist because it was invaded. They never give you, they never provide a, a, a remedy. They never say, well, look, it might have been a bad history, but this is what this is. This is how we can overcome it. Look at the great country we're living in now. Never hear that. You never hear the optimism or the positive aspects of, of this country. Anyway, that was my, that's my little spiel about the curriculum, but I feel very strongly about it. And yeah, this is a coalition government. This is a conserv supposedly conservative government. This needs to be fought, I think, at a policy level. And mm. we're seeing this in the United States. We're seeing states actually reject critical yes. race theory being taught in schools. We're not going to win the argument about whether Black Lives Matter, you know, or no, no. whether we should or save. Or if our climate change is happening. Yeah, yeah or saving right. the planet, whatever that means. Yes. It needs to be done through a conservative policy. And like you said, this is supposed to be a conservative coalition government. Well, at least we have two states pushing back so far. We have New South Wales and South Australia. So at least there's, there's a glimmer there. Um, yes. And 
Um, and I and I do know that um, the education minister is is aware of the problem, um, which is which is a start. He does know that that there is there is an ideological problem and a and a, and a ph- philosophical problem with this with this curriculum, um, and and I do hope that he he actually stops it. I do hope that that and you're right. It's a policy level that can, you can only fight at a policy level. You can't fight the slogans. But you can do what they're doing in America. What America got with President Trump was that they got a bar- barbarian. You know, they hired a barbarian, and he did that job, reversing the process of this. Mm. I think the key to Trump's success in this area was that uh, he didn't get controlled by the press or the media. He didn't care about. No. It. He had zero. No, not at all. Man. Zero. Zero. And zero he, fear. He, zero he, respect. He knew more than they knew about their own profession mm. because he'd been dealing with these. Um, with these morons for, for 40 years. But in this country, our politicians get in front of a camera and it's, what would you like me to do? What would you like me to say? The press control them. Yeah. There's no one calling them out on any of this. I mean, if they do call them out, it's, it's, in, 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 it's probably on, on Sky and a very small audience. This is the problem. It doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't get through to the, 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 the majority of this country. Fighting policy on a conservative level is difficult right now because of the opposition in the press. And our public broadcaster is pushing all of what we've been talking about. Oh, relentlessly. But, you know, how conservative are the, are, is the Liberal Party, though? That's the question. Hmm. Um, I would say not very. Otherwise, this wouldn't be happening. Correct. It's m- almost worse when the, cons- when the, when the, when the supposedly conservative liberals let this happen because you expect it from the greens and the left you just go well that's of course that's exactly the gender they're going to push and that's why i don't vote for them but the the it's worse when you feel betrayed by um by someone who calls themselves a conservative and belongs to a party that has conservative roots and purports to be to be wanting to conserve the values and, and and institutions of Western civilization and things of all, but it's not happening. It's 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 out of control. So, for me, that only means that they're, they're not conservative. How how deeply conservative are they? I don't think it goes very deep with most of them. I despair. Mm, uh, I despair I, at our politicians. I agree, and I think that you know, true conservative captains of industry, they don't go into politics. No. So we're, we're seeing, why would you? We're mm. seeing the, um, an extreme lack of wisdom and intelligence mm. in politicians on every side of the floor. And often you'll see in question time, it's, it just descends into you know, a diatribe of, of just nonsense. Of, they're, they're arguing for the point of arguing. They're not getting anything done. And you can look at this throughout the history of civilizations, right? When, when, when they reach the, or the decline of civilizations, when they reach that point of decadence, which we've well and truly passed, you only have to go out my door and you'll find about 700 cafes on, in the space of about a kilometre. <laughs> you know, once they reach that, go past that stage of, uh, of decadence, then everything becomes about, the social welfare state, right? Mm. Yeah, and this is yes. where the, this is where the, the the debate is at the moment. Like, we must give yeah. money here. We must give money there. Meanwhile, 
uh, small businesses are being mm. hampered by so much red tape that soon they're going mm. to be the ones putting their hands out for those benefits. Or if you're in Victoria, you're going to be taxed by by Dan Andrews after having after having closed you down. He's now you've opened up again, and he's now going to tax you. Oh, it's impossible to it's do to do business. Impossible. Uh, just to bring it back again, and the reason I do this is because I've spent so much time researching this area is that so many of these um, taxation policies and educational policies and business policies do come from the UN and from these higher, you know, um, for example, we've seen how much power the W how much power and how much lack of knowledge the WHO actually has in terms of this, this pandemic. Mm. So, you know, just to give an example here is that, um, so we look at cigarettes in this country now and cigarettes are now, Australia now has the most expensive cigarettes in the world. Uh, this was introduced by Kevin Rudd with the idea that, if you tax cigarettes at 75% of their retail value, it's the most effective way to quit smoking. However, in 2018-19, the Australian Bureau of Statistics released a report that the number of smokers has actually gone up a couple of percent in that year. And who's it hitting the hardest? Well, the poor, the Indigenous, the mentally ill. These are people that are now paying $50 for a packet of cigarettes. That idea came from the UN. Mm. I mean, that's an isolated example, but the fight is on a, on a grander scale. But, of course, we need politicians that have some, some, um, some charisma, some, some guts and some conservative values to push back against this, and we're not seeing it. I would, I would love to see it. Wouldn't, be, wouldn't it be wonderful to wake up in the morning and, 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 and just read a good headline for a change? And, and, you know, just wake up tomorrow morning and see Alan Tudge Can's new curriculum. That's all I want to see. Just, just that. Why can't we do that? Why can't he do that? Just can it. But no one's, no one's, I don't think anyone's going to have the guts to do it. Um, but, but perhaps if there's enough of a pushback from, from parents um, who uh, can see that, can see that this is, this is not good for their children, perhaps, perhaps we'll, Perhaps we had to stop it. Stop the uh, the, ch- the changes, or the, the it's not even changes; it's a new curriculum. So that's what I hope. A runaway train is a train that is still possible to uh, run down, but it makes it difficult. I think that what this really comes down to is that we can't rely on schools to be educating our children on values and ethics and when they should be teaching them things like mathematics and science instead of pushing them into the global conversation. And I think that the only way to turn this around is, is in households, really. I mean, it, it comes down to parents. It has to start at home. People have to start deprogramming their children and giving them the, the basics. And the, um, my father taught me how to, to, to read and write before I got to school because he had no faith in that they'd teach me at primary school. Um, and he was right. Um, but I'm, I'm fortunate that I had a father who had the, 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 the time and the, 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 the ability to do that. And this is the other thing. We've been forced into a society now where both parents have to work. We've been forced into this economic mm-hmm. situation where you, that you can't survive on one household. So what parent has the time now to devote their 
their their days to 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 properly educating their children where the schools aren't. And it goes back to uh, the idea of the family of 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 a. The family unit's broken down now because the, the heart of the family is the mother. It's a very old-fashioned idea. But if that you take that heart away and that that she's going out and having to work every day in some office somewhere, um, then then that family breaks down and the unit breaks down, and then you don't get the then you're outsourcing your children to the state for everything. And it's just it's it's really explains a lot about what's going on now. I say um, I say get ready for the fight, you know, because we're seeing yes. we're seeing two different world orders we're seeing an emergent yeah, world yeah. order and we're seeing the world order that that we believe has the um the empirical evidence and historical evidence to clearly prove that the um, emergent order is a threat to human flourishing rather than human yes. flourishing itself yes i would say that we have to be um although this is probably has been a, I wouldn't say a pessimistic conversation, but a realistic conversation. But I still think we have to retain our sense of humour. We have to retain a, a, a spirit of a lightness of heart, um, despite the fact that, that it's very difficult in this in this when when everything seems to be collapsing around you. But but that's where we that's where we we because the left have lost this. They've lost the ability to. Of joy, they don't like joy, and, and I think we we have to continue to be joyful and 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 happy and know that we're on the right side. Well, the, the problem is though that they're also controlling um, humor, right? <laughs> like yes, things that I that I find funny and that I have no problem um, making light of is being called hate speech. I know, so, I know. This is usually just it's usually just a joke. But that's one thing that they'll never take away from me is humour. You know, mm. what are they going to do? Lock you up for a joke? Yeah, exactly. We we need to leave on a on a on a on an optimistic note. I think. Yes, we do. Look, from my perspective, I would say if you stand up to wokeness, the powers of wokeness, and you, you don't apologise, then you'll find that it melts no. away. It melts away. Exactly. You can keep laughing. Exactly. You can keep having fun. Yeah. yeah. And there is a silent majority of Australians in this country who want to keep laughing. They don't yes. want to be, they don't want this no. not they don't want this nonsense. They don't. And you and I are two of those. Yes, exactly. And we're joined by many others. We're joined by many others. And I'm, <laughs> I'm finding that out more and more by the day. <laughs> Good. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. Thank you so much. It's been really a really interesting, very enjoyable conversation.